we've been in a series called 70 Times 7, all about forgiving. It's all about multiplying forgiveness. Week one, we talked about offense and how if we don't talk about offense and deal with ourselves, we're gonna be going around forgiving people for all kinds of things that either they didn't even do or stuff that we just need to get over. Come on now, somebody say amen, all right? We gotta get over some stuff, all right? Uh, the next week we talked about forgiving the hardest person in the world to forgive. Who is that? Me, yourself. It's the hardest person to forgive. Forgive yourself for your past mistakes, to forgive yourself for the sins that you've committed, forgive yourself for the things that you've done against God and family and others, man. And, and the past will just lead you towards condemnation or conviction. Condemnation's from the enemy, conviction is from God, and we don't want it to lead us to death, but we want the conviction of the Holy Spirit in our past and things we've done to lead us to life and life more abundant. And then uh, last week, we talked about uh, the idea of forgiving God, right? The idea that, you know, maybe there's an unanswered prayer in your life. God, why didn't you show up? Why didn't you do that thing that I prayed for? I prayed real hard and I had faith and God, you didn't show up. God, why do bad things happen to good people? And we learned that a lot of times we blame God for the devil's work, amen? We blame God for a lot of the things that Satan is up to. And we have to remember that we have an enemy who is out to steal and kill and destroy. And if we have an enemy that is out here to steal and kill and destroy, then we have Jesus over here to bring life, uh, to bring peace and to bring joy and hope. Man, we gotta make sure we place the blame on the right name. Come on, somebody say amen. We gotta make sure that we are not blaming God. And so uh, today we're finally gonna get to talk about the message that I think everybody has been looking forward to or needing, honestly, I feel like in our spirits. And that is how do I forgive others? How do I forgive other people? Michelle's got some people to forgive this morning. Come on now. <laughs> She's ready to preach with me. You guys ready to preach with me today? Come on now, come on. Hey, so we need to learn to let the small things go. That's what we talked about in week one. It was about offense, letting the small things go. But what happens when it's not a small thing? What happens when it is a pretty big offense? What happens when someone really, really hurts you? and cuts deep. It's not just, oh, you need to get over it. Oh, we got to figure this thing out. It'll be fine. No, it really was bad what they did. How many of y'all know that people are messed up? Come on, like people are messed up. And they do messed up things. That's just the world we live in. We live in a fallen world of sin. And, 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 and a lot of times we have to learn to forgive strangers and people that we barely know for things they do against us. But the worst cuts are the ones that come from somebody that love, you thought loved you anyway. Maybe somebody that does love you and yet they really, really hurt you. How do you forgive those people? Maybe it was a, a friend who you thought had your back, but instead stabbed your back. Come on now. Maybe it was a boyfriend or a girlfriend that you thought, this is the one. This is the person that I will be with forever. And then they cheat on you or they leave you and you see them on Instagram with somebody else. What about a spouse that cheats on you? What about a spouse that leaves you? What do you do then when you're abandoned and you're all alone and maybe you have kids and you're like, what are we supposed to do now? Maybe it's a, a mom or a dad, maybe a, a dad that left you or, or, or a parent that was verbally abusive to you when you were a child or maybe even sexually abused you as a child. Listen, how do you deal with these things and forgive these people? I know some of y'all need to forgive pastors up in this place today. There's a pastor or a church leader that has hurt you and has said things to you to belittle you or to make you feel small. 
made it messed you up theologically in all kinds of ways. And now you're questioning God and questioning the church and all this stuff. And you need to learn to forgive them. But how do you do it? Or a lot of times we have to forgive strangers. Maybe there is a, a person that did something against somebody that you love and you don't even know this person. And yet there, your friend is hurt. Your family member is hurt. Your child is hurt. And now you got to forgive this person. Maybe you've never even met. Am I supposed to forgive somebody that does something so incredibly horrible and how do I forgive this person when they don't even deserve it? Absolutely not. They don't deserve forgiveness. In fact, some of these people deserve jail time. But how am I supposed to forgive them? Well, I wanna tell you a story. It's in Matthew chapter 18 and it is the parable of the unforgiving servant, also called the parable of the unmerciful servant. And this is actually, finally, we're getting to talk about that passage where Peter asked Jesus 70 times seven, and we get through that whole passage. We never actually preached through it yet, but this is the first opportunity we get. It's a long passage, but stick with me because I feel like there's so much truth here that we all need. So Matthew 18, verse 21 through 35, turn your Bibles there, or it'll be on the screen in front of you. Verse 21, Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Now, some translations say 77, some say 70 times seven. That was a tongue twister. That sentence was really hard to say, as a matter of fact. So 70 times seven or 77, uh, they're not really sure which one it is, but the idea is a lot, okay? Therefore, the kingdom of heaven, he's telling a story now to Peter. It's like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay everything back. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him only a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. And his fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Y'all, these are some grade A title tailors, all right? Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. And then Jesus comes back and is talking to Peter and he says, this is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother and sister from your heart. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you would open our eyes, ears, and our hearts to receive something from you today. Speak to us, Lord. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. So verse 21 through 22, we finally see Peter's question. He says, Lord, how many times am I supposed to forgive? Up to seven times, maybe? And what's really interesting about this, a lot of people don't know, is that rabbis at the time in Jewish culture would teach that you were to forgive somebody three times for the same sin if they came back and repented. Three times was the, the standard that they had taught at the time. And so Peter, when he's saying this question, he's asking this question to Jesus, how many times should I forgive? He says, how about seven? 
he's probably saying it with a little bit of superiority about himself, right? He's like, it's naturally taught that we're supposed to get three times, but you know what? I'm gonna double it and then add one on top of it, Jesus, because I'm feeling extra generous today. I'll forgive seven times. And you know what? Jesus ends up coming back to him and Peter thought Jesus was gonna say, absolutely, that sounds great. And yet Jesus says, you're not even close. <laughs> as a matter of fact, it's 77 or seven times seven as a whole lot more than everything that's ever been taught that we are supposed to forgive. And then in verse 23 through 27, he starts to tell this story of this servant that owes a ton of money to the master. Now, I want you to understand how much money we're talking about here, okay? Because it is a lot of money, a hundred bags of gold. Now, if any of you have a hundred bags of gold, radicalchurch.life slash give, okay, all right? Listen, that is the modern equivalent to $7 billion, $7 billion with a B, okay? That is a lot of money. In fact, I want you to understand how much money this is. That is the same amount as the entire New York Giants football team and organization. Now, if you ask me, I'd say they're worth absolutely nothing. But, you know, the numbers don't lie, okay? They have some worth to them. I don't think so, but some people might. Listen, what if you owed that much money to somebody? How many lifetimes would it take before we could pay that back? I'm just thinking with my salary right now, that would take me about 35,000 lifetimes to pay that back before I could pay $7 billion. And if your name is not Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos, okay, you ain't paying it back in this lifetime, that is for sure. And that's the whole point of it, is that the master in this story offers forgiveness for a debt that was absolutely impossible to pay. There's no way that he could do it. And this is exactly what Jesus does for us, amen? And that there's a debt that we owe against God that is too great for us to pay. Our sin, uh, it says the wages of sin is what? Death. We are sin against God. It's not just like a sin where we do something against somebody and we gotta get over it. No, no, no. Sin in itself is like this cosmic debt that we owe to a perfect and holy and amazing God. He is perfect. He's never done anything wrong. All his ways are perfect. And yet we are just these imperfect people. And so we owe this debt back to God because of our sin. And there is no way that you'd ever be able to pay it. You can't. All the sacrifices in the world, you see all the Old Testament sacrifices, all that stuff, ain't nothing that you can do to repay the debt of our own sin back to God. And yet, what did God do? He sent his only son, Jesus, to die for you and for me and to take all of our sins and actually nail them onto the cross along with Jesus. That is the good news of the gospel, amen? I'll read it to you right here in Colossians 2. It says, when you were dead in your sins, and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you, what? Alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. Come on, guys, this is the good news of Jesus, that you were dead in your sin, but because of Jesus, now we are alive in Christ. The same nails that nailed Jesus up to the cross are the same nails that holds all of your sin up on it. You got to remember that the forgiveness that God has offered us, it's not just for me and my life. It is for the entire universe. It's for the entire world that we live in. It is massive what God has forgiven us from. And now we're able to have life because of that. And so then 
you know, the, the, the master forgives this servant of this huge debt. And then we see in verse 28 through 31, this guy decides that he's gonna go to another servant, a buddy of his, who's on kind of the same level as him now, all right? And he owes him 100 silver coins. Now, 100 bags of gold, 100 silver coins. Okay, let's just get that straight. Silver coin was a denarii. That's what they called it. And the average salary of a person in that day was about 300 denarii a year. So if you do the math, how much did he owe him? It's about four months of salary. How many of y'all know that you could probably get a payment arrangement for four months of your salary, you could eventually pay that back. Now, $7 billion, first off, how in the world did this king let this dude get away with owing him $7 billion? I don't know any credit card company, Discover, you know, MasterCard, like any of y'all trying to give me $7 billion? I don't think they're gonna do it. But this guy only owes, you know, like a little bit, like four months salary. It's like a small student loan debt or something like that. Eventually, you're probably gonna be able to pay it off, maybe, okay? But, Instead of making a payment arrangement with this guy, what does he do? He goes all MMA on him. He chokes him out. He's like, give him my money, man. I need my money. And he's trying to choke him out and he's holding him up, it says. And you got to imagine the anger that's in his, in his, his voice and in his eyes. And he tries to get this money back from this guy. This dude that was forgiven of $7 billion is now coming after this dude for some silver coins. And then the tattletailers go. In verse 32 and 34, the master, the king finds out sentences this guy to torture and repayment. And he says, this is the number one line. If you look at this, verse 33, it said, shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in verse 35, Jesus goes back and talks to the disciples and Peter. And he says this powerful thing. He says, this is how the father in heaven is gonna treat you if you don't forgive other people. Matthew 6 14 through 15 says, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. Hold up, Pastor Trevor. You mean to tell me that if I don't forgive these people that have hurt me, that I'm not gonna be forgiven at all? Well, let me take you through a few more passages. Hold on, we'll talk about it. Mark 11, 25. When you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your father in heaven may forgive you your sins. Luke 17, three through four. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. We love the rebuke part, right? Not as much as the forgive part. I would love, they, you sin against me, I will rebuke you all day long now. But if you repent, it's like, ah, I guess you've forgiven. Anyway, even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. Somebody say, must let me tell you one thing right now. Forgiveness is not optional in the kingdom of God. It is mandatory. Forgiveness is not optional. I know it's tough. And a lot of times we say in a situation that we might be in, well, you know, this was pretty deep, the, the cut and the wound that they gave me. This is, you don't really understand, okay? Like it's gonna take a long time for me to forgive this person and it's gonna be really difficult. I just don't know if I can. I, what they did to me was too bad. There's no way I could forgive them. No, no, no. If you're a believer in Jesus, it's not optional anymore. It is mandatory. You see three passages I just read you now. It says, man, you must forgive. And if you don't, 
It says, you yourself are not gonna be forgiven. Now, what does that mean, okay? He's not saying in Matthew 18 that if you hold on to unforgiveness that you're not gonna be forgiven eternally, you're gonna lose your salvation, all right? That's not what Jesus is saying. But one thing I think he might be saying a little bit, okay, is if you're holding on to unforgiveness for somebody, for something that they have done to you, it might mean that you yourself have not even received forgiveness from God. And maybe you don't even know who God is. And maybe you're not even saved to begin with. Because if you can't forgive others for the things that they've done to you, maybe you don't even understand how much that you have been forgiven from. Do you really know God in the first place? Because if you don't, well, it's very obvious if you're holding on to unforgiveness for people all the time. Now, I don't think that's primarily what he's saying because who is he talking to right now? He's talking to Peter. He's talking to Christians, or at least the, who is gonna be the first Christians after he dies and is raised again. He's talking to believers in God who are doing their best to, to follow Jesus and everything that he says. And, and he's talking to believers here. All these passages, he's talking to believers. He's not talking to unbelievers. And so he's more or less talking about our need for forgiveness from our father on a daily basis. The Bible talks a lot about coming to God and asking for forgiveness, right? Like, hey, God, I need forgiveness every day. I need forgiveness every week. There's something I've done, whether it's a small infraction or a big offense against God or against somebody else. God, I need forgiveness from you today. Would you forgive me? And this is what I think we get in the Lord's prayer. If you know it, I want you to say it with me. Go ahead, say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses. As we hold on to bitterness and unforgiveness for people that have wronged us and trespassed against us. Come on, guys. That's not how it goes. No, 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 no. I want you to say it right this time. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Do you see what we just said right there? In my forgiving others, God, would you forgive me? As I receive forgiveness, I release forgiveness. Why? Because I understand how much I have really been forgiven from. Come on, is there somebody in the house of God today that is grateful for how much that you've been forgiven from? Because listen, I've been forgiven from a lot. I guarantee you have too. And I know we need that forgiveness, guys. We need it, we need it, we need it. And we need to release it the same way that we need to receive it. This is what Jesus is saying. It is mandatory. It is not optional. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespassed against us. And remember, what, what is that, where did that come from? The Lord's Prayer. That was the disciples asking Jesus how to pray. So if this is Jesus telling you how to pray, there's something to it, y'all. Just think about it for a moment. How hypocritical is it if I come before God in church on a Sunday morning I say, God, would you forgive me my sins from this week? I ain't gonna forgive that other dude for the stuff that he did to me all week, but Lord, would you forgive me for my sins? Think about that for a second, guys. How awful does that sound? You asking for God to forgive you for stuff that you've done yesterday, but you're holding on to something somebody did to you 10 years ago. Now, I'm not trying to minimize the hurt that you've experienced because listen, I know that there's some serious stuff that people have done against you but you have to put it in perspective. I don't wanna minimize your pain and minimize you know, the abuse that you went through or whatever it is, man, because I know that stuff is real and it hurts. But put it in perspective. 
that we have this cosmic debt with God that has been forgiven. Like we're talking about the universe kind of stuff here. And we are still holding on to unforgiveness for things that have happened in our lives. And yet God has forgiven us and given us the chance at eternal life and communion with the God that created us. It doesn't mean that you aren't hurt and it doesn't mean it doesn't stink. It doesn't mean it isn't hard, but man, if we put it in perspective, it changes things, right? Matthew 5 says this, therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift in front of the altar. First, go and be reconciled to them and come and offer your gift. Here's what unforgiveness will do in your life. Unforgiveness will block your worship. Unforgiveness will block your relationship with God. If you are holding on to things, this is really the heart of what Jesus is saying in these different passages when he's saying, God cannot forgive you if you cannot forgive other people. What does it mean? It means that God is not gonna listen to you and forgive you your sins that you've committed this week if, man, you can't even forgive these other people that have done things to you because you're holding on to bitterness and resentment and all this stuff. Hey, listen, hey, take care of your stuff out there before you come in here and try to worship me. It's basically what God is saying. Leave your gift, leave your sacrifice of praise at the altar, okay? Leave it here. Before you come into here, make sure that you have reconciled with people out there because a person that's unwilling to reconcile with others out there is not going to experience all God has for you in here. When you come into worship, you're gonna be like, what's going on? I feel like I'm hitting a wall. I feel like I'm hitting something. I can't connect with God right now. And I think that's the heart of what Jesus is saying in these passages. It's going to hinder your relationship with him. But how do I forgive, Pastor Trevor? I know some of y'all are sitting here like, okay, that's cool and all, but listen, you don't get it, okay? You don't understand what I've gone through. You don't know the abuse that I've suffered. You don't know the things that have been said to me. You don't know the things that have been done to me. How am I supposed to forgive this person for the things that they did to my kid or to someone else that I love that's close to me? Well, I think in order to forgive, you have to understand what forgiveness is not first. And I wanna make sure that we're very clear on what forgiveness is not. Because a lot of times I think the church gets this messed up, okay? First thing forgiveness is not, is not being angry at sin. A lot of times people in the church just say, well, you're not allowed to be angry, okay? Well, yeah, absolutely you are, okay? Forgive and forget is not in the Bible, all right? I just wanna be abundantly clear with you right now. People say, well, God forgives and forgets our sins as if they never happened. Listen, y'all think that God does not have receipts, okay? Like God is omnipotent, omniscient God. He knows all things, okay? It's not like he just completely erases his own memory like men in black style, okay? That's not, how, that's not what that means. It means that he chooses to operate as if it had never happened. But it's there. God knows it's there. He washes you away white as snow, but it's not like God just forgets everything that happened, okay? He is omniscient and omnipotent. Let's be real with ourselves, okay? Forgive and forget is not in the Bible. And listen, people will use that kind of terminology with church people to say, well, even if I mess up, you still have to forgive me 70 times seven, right? Like you're supposed to forgive. Christians are supposed to be forgiving and have grace and have grace and have grace. Paul said, shall we go on sinning so that grace may abound? No. What does that mean? Don't keep going on sinning and abuse God's grace. 
Don't abuse the grace of somebody in your life and saying, well, you have to forgive me because that's what we do as Christians. No, 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 listen. In the Bible in Ephesians 4, it says, be angry and do not sin. Another translation, in your anger, do not sin. What does that mean? You are allowed to be angry at the things that God is angry about. What does God get angry about? Sin, evil. God doesn't like what happened to you. He doesn't like that somebody did that thing to you and you are allowed to be angry at that. But what does it say? In your anger, don't sin. Don't clap back at them and say something awful to them just because they did something awful to you, right? Now you're sinning. Don't go and do something worse than what they did just because they did it to you. Well, you cheated, so I'm gonna go out and cheat now, okay? No, 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 come on now. That's not how it works. Are you allowed to be angry? Absolutely, but in your anger, do not sin you're allowed to mourn when somebody hurts you. Some people just expect we're supposed to automatically forgive. Automatically. Oh, well, you did something wrong, but I have to automatically forgive you because that's what Jesus did. Listen, no, no, no. Take a second, all right? Forgiveness is a process. Reconciliation is a process, and that's okay. Number two, that what forgiveness is not is, is, is not giving consequences or not allowing consequences for sin. There are consequences for sin in the things that you do in your life. God is a God of love. People say God's a God of grace. You know what God is also a God of? Justice. The Bible says that he loves justice. He's a just God. He's merciful. He's gracious. He's all loving. God is love. God is also the perfect judge. And he is just more than anyone else. And he loves when justice is served. Listen, I'm telling you, my pastor, he spoke a few weeks ago here. Uh, I was in Oklahoma for a few years and, and I was there when this happened, but he had to get up on stage and tell our whole church. Luckily, it did not affect any of our children or any of our ministry necessarily, but it was a kid's ministry worker who had the SWAT team go to his house and arrested him for child pornography. And he had to actually be a part of the investigation and was a part of helping put his own church member in jail. Now, think about the conflict of interest it feels like as a pastor being like, ooh, we're supposed to be forgiving and gracious and all this stuff, and yet it's a serious offense. Listen, there are natural consequences for the things that we do, y'all. Like if you murder somebody, y'all, you're going to jail, okay? Like, let's just be real. You're going to jail. Could you be forgiven? Absolutely, but you're going to jail, like David, we talked about David and Bathsheba. He messed up with her and his baby ended up dying because of it. God said, hey, your, your, your firstborn with Bathsheba is gonna die because of this sin. Listen, that was a God-given consequence. It was a natural consequence. You messed up and now there's a consequence. There's relational consequences too. Like let's say you do, you know, go out and cheat on somebody. Man, it's gonna be different, right? There's gonna be some natural consequences. And I think this is the thing I really want to take a second to hit on because this is the big problem. The last thing that forgiveness is not, it is not reconciliation. Forgiveness and reconciliation are not the same thing. And a lot of times we put those things together as if they are, and they most certainly are not. Why? Forgiveness only requires one person. And who is that person? Me. I can forgive they don't even have to know that I'm, for, you could forgive somebody, they don't even know about it, right? You could forgive somebody that did something to you when you were a child, and now 30 years later, they've passed away, and you could still forgive that person. How? Because it doesn't require their participation. It only requires my heart. 
and me coming before God and saying, God, I am forgiving this person for what they've done to me. I know I'll never be able to tell them. I'll never be able to have a conversation, but it doesn't matter if they're here or they're not because it's me that matters in this moment. Forgiveness is gonna set me free. God, I give you my resentment. I give you my bitterness. I give this whole thing to you. God, would you help me to walk in forgiveness of this person? But reconciliation is different. What's the difference? Reconciliation requires two parties to be involved. The person who was offended and had the thing against them and then the person who did the offending, right? And that person has to actually be repentant too. They actually have to want to be reconciled. Sometimes people ain't wanting to be reconciled. They're just going on and sinning and they don't even care who they hurt. But listen, reconciliation requires both parties to participate and it requires repentance. And I think this is the main struggle with forgiveness, especially with church people, if I can be honest, is that we think sometimes or people tell us that because I have forgiven you, I also have to allow you the same level of access and the same level of trust that we had before. And that is just not the case. It's just not. That's not how it works. There's three things that I would look at Number one, the attitude of the offender. Are they sorry for what they did? Are they repentant for what they did? Number two, the depth of the betrayal. What do they actually do to you? And then number three, the pattern of offense. How many times have they done this to you? Have they shown that they just really don't care about you and they only care about themselves? Have they shown that they can't be trusted over and over again? Like you gotta consider these things when you're looking to reconcile with somebody that has done you wrong. And listen, I know that there's strangers that have done really awful things to us, but the reason I'm kind of talking about, I'm talking about people that are close to us now, because I think those are the ones that hurt the worst, right? Uh, like when, when your mom or your dad hurts you or your brother or your sibling or, you know, one of your kids or somebody close to you, a spouse, like when they hurt you really bad, boyfriend or a girlfriend, like that stuff really, really hurts. You, you got to deal with them. You got to see them on a regular basis. And now you got to figure out how am I going to move forward? And so that's what I'm talking about with reconciliation. If a stranger hurts you, let's say a stranger, uh, a drunk driver kills somebody that you love. You might never meet that person. So there's no need to reconcile with them because you never had a relationship with them in the first place, right? Reconciliation only has to deal with people that are in your life that you know and that care about you, or maybe you care about them. If you're looking to tell whether somebody really wants to reconcile, if they're really wanting to repent of their sin, let me help you out a little bit, okay? I want you to lean in for a second because sometimes y'all be getting played by people that don't really care about you, okay? Let me tell you, if they actually want to repent, if they're actually asking for forgiveness from you, let me tell you how you can find out. If somebody is seeking forgiveness and not a free pass, two different kinds of people, unrepentant person, or resent you for not immediately reestablishing trust in the same level of relationship that you had before. I'm gonna say it again, if you wanna write it down. <laughs> An unrepentant person, somebody that does not care about being forgiven, they don't care about what they've done to you, they're just looking for a free pass so that they don't have to deal with this anymore, okay? They will resent you for not having the same level of access, the same level of trust, and the same level of relationship immediately as they did before. Some of y'all are like, oh my goodness, I'm thinking about this person now and that's exactly what they did. They might manipulate you with terms like, I guess you just can't find it in yourself to be forgiving. Or you know what? I thought that you know, you're a good Christian person and you're supposed to have grace, right? Like this is what God does is he gives us grace, right? And why aren't you showing me grace right now? 
Like we should still be able to be best friends, even though what I did to you was terrible. We should still be able to be best friends because you should be able to reconcile with me and forgive me. And that's what it's all about. No, it's not. Listen, I, I had somebody who was very, very close to me, very close to me, sit across from me at a table and use that exact line against me. Well, I thought that, you know, we were really good friends. And I thought, you know, in fact, I actually would just rather have friends that are more grace-filled than you are. No, man, you don't get to determine what happens next. You messed up. (laughs) I get to determine what happens next. Amen? This is how this thing works. And yet, that's the kind of manipulation that we fall for all the time. All the time. If you cheat on your wife, listen, you don't get to come back into the house after work at 6 p.m. and expect dinner on the table and some Netflix and chill later on that evening. You have lost that privilege. You lost it. Now, you've lost the benefit of the doubt. Listen, it is on you to reestablish trust. It is on that person to work their butt off to prove their repentance to you. It is not my job. It is the person who offended me. It's their job. If you want reconciliation, you want forgiveness, man, it is your job to put in the work for this relationship. You have now lost the benefit of the doubt, okay? All your privacy, gone. All the passcodes that you have on everything, mine. I will life 360 your butt till the end of time, okay? Find my friends, find my cheating husband, we could call it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't care. I will find you wherever you are at, okay? Why? Because you lost the benefit of the doubt. Trust has to be reestablished between the two of you. And, and listen, you can say, I forgive you, but I don't trust you. You can say that. That is not a bad thing to think or to feel. It's not. If they fight back against you, against those things, let's say, you know, you know hey, I want to establish some boundaries. I want to establish, reestablish some trust here. We're going to have to do things a little bit different for a little while. If they fight back against that, it tells one of two things. Either number one, they aren't really sorry for what they did. Or number two, they don't really care about you. And you probably shouldn't be reconciled to them anyway. And I know that's hard, but it's just the case. It's it's just the truth. Either they aren't sorry and they are not repentant or they didn't really care about you in the first place. So you have to ask, okay, well, you, you set up all these different things to try to reconcile with somebody. But then some people will use that and they will abuse that too, right? The person that got offended and they had a hurt against them, they will also use that. So, you know, I don't trust you. And now they've hand and they'll handcuff the person that did the wrong for the rest of their lives, right? They'll handcuff them. They'll never trust them again. Listen, that's not true reconciliation. Now you're just using it to your own advantage and you have a trust problem, okay? Yeah, I know you got hurt, but man, if the person is repentant, they're trying their best, all this stuff. But if you say something like, well, I'm never gonna trust you again. Even if you try to reestablish trust, I'm not gonna let you do it. I'm not gonna accept it. You know what? I actually hope no one ever trusts you again. And you think to yourself, like, I, I kind of wish that you would suffer more consequences. I want your life to be worse because of the things that you did to me. Can you tell the difference? Like, that's not a true person that's wanting to reconcile. That's somebody that wants to hurt you because you hurt me. And what is that? I don't get mad, I get even, that kind of stuff. Is that true forgiveness? No, it is not. Is that true reconciliation? No, it is not. So the heart of God is always, and I need you to hear me today, The heart of God is always reconciliation. God always delights in people coming back together. 
that were estranged. I love seeing stories of people that come back together and they say, man, I was in an abusive relationship and it was terrible, but we worked through it. We got therapy and he went to counseling or she went to counseling or whatever it might be. And she cheated, he cheated or whatever. And we were able to work it out. And now we're on the other side of it, man, we're stronger than ever. We have a few boundaries that we work together on. We figured that out. And you know, the person that messed up, they were really repentant and they wanted to come back and they said, I'm so sorry. And I mean, they have proved that day by day by day that they really do love me. And they're really truly sorry. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. I do wanna say this though. I didn't say it in first service, but there's somebody that needs to hear it today. If you are married in an abusive relationship or your partner has cheated on you, you have every right to leave. I'll tell you that right now. You do. Would God love to see you guys reconciled? Absolutely. But if they ain't trying, if they're not putting in the work that they need to, you can find yourself somebody else that'll treat you right. Amen? I'm be honest with you. On the other hand, if they're repentant, they're taking responsibility, being accountable to you, respecting your boundaries, things like that. This person has hurt you really bad, whether it's a married relationship or, or just somebody in your life that you're, you're trying to have a relationship with in general, a friend or whatever. Um, you are under no obligation to stay with that person, even if church people tell you you need to or you should. If the natural consequence and the relational consequence is that you left, so be it. Okay, you can forgive and leave. You can do both those things. And we love a good redemption story in church, but I will never shame somebody into staying with a cheater so that we can put you on a cool testimony video one day. I ain't gonna do it, all right? I'm just telling you like God's heart is reconciliation. His heart is forgiveness. And he wants people to be reunited again. It's not always possible. And that's between you and God. It's not between you and his, and his mother. His mama is, is gonna say, please don't leave him. Listen, it's not between you and her. It's between you and God, amen? It's your own heart. It's between the two of you and you have to decide what you can do. Can this relationship be reconciled? Can I reconcile with this friend? Can I reconcile with my ex-boyfriend or my ex-girlfriend? I say generally, probably don't. It's not a good idea, but sometimes it works, you know? But, but it, you have to pray and ask God, is this something that I should do? Can I forgive and reconcile and move on and reestablish trust? Forgiveness is hard, guys, but our heart should, also, or should always be to reconcile when it's possible, but we should always, no matter what, forgive. Forgiveness is not optional, it's mandatory. What if they aren't sorry for what they did, Pastor Trevor? Well, listen, how am I supposed to forgive that person? The same way that Jesus did? They hung him on the cross. As he's on the cross, he says, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He's being murdered. In the middle of being murdered, he's forgiving the people that murdered him. I know that sounds so crazy and so tough, but man, this is the God that we serve that offers a crazy amount of forgiveness to us. Here's the deal, Jesus, it wasn't gonna change them, but it changes us when we forgive, amen? 
It changes my heart when I forgive. I don't need you to accept my forgiveness. I don't need you to even know that I've forgiven you. I don't need anything in our relationship to maybe even change. If we reconcile, that's great. If we don't, man, that stinks, but that's all right because I have given it up to God. I have released myself from all obligation. I have forgiven. I can walk in freedom. I can walk in wholeness now. I'm not broken. I'm not worried about my past. I'm looking forward to the future and I can step into everything that God has for me in my life because I've forgiven somebody for what they've done in my past. And I understand how much God has forgiven me. So as I receive forgiveness, I will release forgiveness. That's what we need to do. That's how our hearts need to be before God and others. Forgiveness isn't just for them, it's for you. The master said in the story that he'd be turned over to be tortured and be in prison. The prison was not for the other people. Who was the prison around? The person that was offended the person that was living in unforgiveness towards somebody else. It traps you. It might not change them, but forgiveness will always change you. It will always set you free. I've seen stories, and I'm sure you have too, of, of parents where a drunk driver kills their daughter or their son, and they stand in court and they read a letter and they're crying and they're saying, you know, we forgive you for what you've done. We forgive you. How hard would that be? And sometimes that will change that person's life to be offered that kind of forgiveness. Maybe they have never felt that kind of forgiveness before, but you know what? Probably more often than not, it doesn't change them at all. We love to hear the story of, oh wow, and it changed that guy's life. It changed that girl's life. And now they actually have a relationship with that family even sometimes. That's crazy, that's beautiful. But nine times out of 10, that person's gonna go right back to doing what they were doing before. But what is me saying, hey man, I forgive you. This, this family saying, we forgive you. It's them releasing it to God and saying, we're not gonna walk in bitterness. We're not gonna walk in unforgiveness towards you or toward anyone else because we understand how much we've been forgiven for. And I don't wanna be chained up, imprisoned by my own unforgiveness. It will, it will not always change them, but forgiveness will always change you. Would you stand with me this morning? I think there's someone in here today that you know that you need to forgive somebody. They've already been put on your heart. You've been thinking about them this whole time. The second I said, we're forgiving others, you were like, oh boy, they might be sitting right next to you, okay? Y'all might need to have a talk. But you need to release forgiveness today the same way that you have received it. And just, if you wouldn't mind, every head bowed, every eye closed, I just want you to have the opportunity to say, hey, that's me. I need to forgive somebody today, right here, right now. The pain is real. I, listen, I don't know what kind of abuse you've suffered, but I know that God can heal your heart. But God's gonna have a real hard time healing your heart if you're holding on to unforgiveness. If you're holding on to bitterness and resentment, it's going to block your relationship with God and what he can do inside of you to help you move forward. So today's the day. No matter what somebody said to you, done to you, done to somebody you love, said to somebody you love, today's the day that we forgive. And listen, here's the deal. They don't even have to be here. That's the best part. They don't have to be here. You're like, how can I forgive them? I, I'm, I can't talk to them. Because they don't, you don't need to talk to them. That's reconciliation. Right now it's forgiveness. This is for you, not for them. So right now in this place, if that's you and you say, hey, I'm, I'm gonna forgive I'm gonna choose to forgive right here, right now. Would you raise your hand on the count of three? One, two, three, that's me. I'm forgiving somebody. Wow, almost everybody. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Let me pray with you real quick. 
You can put your hands down. Come on, let's, let's just pray for a second. Father God, I thank you that you're helping us to learn to forgive today. God, we're letting go of the past and we're moving forward. God, I don't want unforgiveness to trap my heart, bind me into this place of bitterness and resentment. God, no, we give that up to you right now. Lord, whether it changes them, whether I ever have a conversation with this person that hurt me, God, I am giving it to you right now. I'm releasing forgiveness the same way that I have received forgiveness from you. God, I thank you that you've forgiven me for all of my sins and all the times I've messed up and the grace that you've given me. And right now, God, I give forgiveness to this person. Whether there's somebody that's close to you or somebody that, that, is, that is a stranger to you, I don't know who this person is, but right now I believe every single person is finding freedom in Jesus as we are releasing forgiveness right now in the name of Jesus, we declare that and we thank you. The hurt is real, the pain is real, but God wants to comfort your heart right now by the power of the Holy Spirit and help you to move forward. And there's another group in here of people that you realize, man, I need to receive forgiveness for myself. I, I, I can't release this forgiveness yet because I haven't even received it. You need to know that God loves you. You need to know that God sent his son Jesus to die for you that all your sins were put on that cross the day that Jesus died 2000 years ago. And then he raised again three days later and now is alive and well and is speaking to your heart right here, right now saying, would you come to me? I wanna give you that forgiveness right here, right now. You've been trying to live life your own way, but now it's time to move forward God's way. And maybe you've never given your life to Jesus before or you'd like to rededicate your life to Jesus right here, right now. If that's you, would you raise your hand? One, two, three. Say, I wanna give my life to God. I see you, one, two, three. Come on, I see you right here. Yes, ma'am, absolutely. Let's raise your hand and look right up at me. I wanna see you. Come on, guys, I see y'all back here. Beautiful, I see you, my man. I see you, yes, yes, yes. Come on, there's another seven. That's beautiful, you can put your hands down. That's all. Can we give God praise for a second? That's amazing. God's perfect number, seven today. Okay, here we go. Hey, why don't you bow your heads one more time and let's all pray together. I don't want anyone praying this prayer alone. Giving your life to Jesus is the best thing you'll ever do. Come on, say Jesus. Jesus. Say it like you mean it. Jesus, Jesus. thank you for forgiving me. I release forgiveness in the same way that I've been forgiven. Make me a new creation. Change my life. I make you Lord. I put you first in Jesus' name. Come on, somebody shout amen in the house of God this morning. Come on. Seven people saying yes to God. That's what it's all about. I mean, I, I hope that this message has helped you to learn to forgive others. And I hope some of you are, you have just released forgiveness in the same breath that you have just received it. And that is a beautiful, beautiful thing. I hope that everybody's encouraged. And man, listen, there's some wounds that we might've just opened up. I understand that, okay? It, we are here for you. You might need to talk to somebody that you came with today and tell them what's going on in your life. Maybe you've never told anybody the hurt and the pain you've experienced. I Man, you gotta talk about it. You gotta talk about it. We're here for you if you need us. Man, find somebody in your life that you can talk to that can encourage you and help you through that thing. I mean, I believe that God is the ultimate encourager and comforter and he will also help you talk to God about that thing. Receive forgiveness and release forgiveness this week. Hey, stick around for the welcome party. If you are brand new, I would love to meet you. My wife's here, we'd love to meet you. God bless, we'll see you next week.